Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I'll be reading the uh, ESV, and then I'm going to be offering uh, translation of it as we go. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let me go ahead and open with the beginning of the, of the book. So I'll start with verse 1 and end with verse 3. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Sends a reading of God's holy word. This is a very short verse relatively speaking, and one that I think it's easy to overlook its richness. So I would like us to spend a moment meditating on how rich this is. We are dealing with Ephesians in our evening now. Might interrupt it occasionally for other things, but from the Bible, of course. But in this instance, I do plan to simply walk us through Ephesians. And this passage, this verse 3, really goes down to verse 14. That's why I didn't want to read it all. It would be rather long. And people regard this as uh, Paul being a little long-winded because he's praying. Um, I've actually read that. Uh, I don't think he is being long-winded. I think you can divide this up. Uh, In fact, I will be pointing out some of its uh, structure to you later to show it is actually structured with some emphases. For now, let me just say that the focus of attention in this passage is is actually uh, in our translation is in the middle of the verse. So in the middle of the verse, it says, who has blessed us in Christ when the original word order actually has that at the end. Uh, And that's something that comes up repeatedly in our text, is in Christ, in Christ, in Him, for the praise of His glory, in Him, in Christ. This is a repeated focus of Paul in this passage. Uh, he's, He's kind of emphasizing that so we see that in Christ we have all these blessings. Now, as Ephesians unfolds, you, you really see the heart of Paul. Um, and as, an, as a young Christian, I used to think Paul was a little arrogant. He kept talking about himself and his ministry. And I, I thought that was kind of self-centered. This is a young Christian, and uh, I, was, I was wrong. Um, it dawned on me, reading Paul more and more, that he's not being arrogant or self-centered at all. If he does uh, magnify himself, he's not really focusing on himself, but his ministry for the sake of us who are outside of the Jewish nation, for people who are not, uh, have no claim on God uh, by being related to Abraham, but we are Gentiles, most of us. And even the Jewish people have no claim on God by being related to to Abraham or Isaac and Jacob. That's that's very good, and they have certain privileges, but it doesn't convey eternal life. Um, What conveys eternal life is 
in Christ. <laughs> this, is, this is why he's emphasizing that. And his ministry has been given to him to convey, to bring, to announce, to proclaim the good news of free and full salvation in Christ to anybody who believes, regardless of where they come from in their, uh, in their heritage. It makes no difference. And the reason why his ministry is held up is because he has a call for that from Christ. So it doesn't come from him. It comes from Christ. Uh, and he's been specially selected. This, this uh, fellow who could be, you know, he's an Israelite of Israelites. And he's been selected to be the bringer of the gospel to the nations. And this is from Christ. This comes from God. This was his plan all along. And here we're going to see that. This is the, the counsel of his will being fulfilled in history. This is not some plan B that he came up with on the fly. This is from all the ages ago before creation. This was planned that we would have this access to him in Christ. So when Christ comes, it's the fulfillment of the fullness of times, Galatians 4. This is, this is when the times are fully uh, ripe for the plucking, and the nations now can come in. It's, it's sung about in the Psalms, this time that we live in. But it's always looked off as, you know, he will call the nations, they will flock and stream in. Well, that's now happening. This is the time when all this... Uh, time and we can come in who had no share in Christ before now can come in to uh, claim God as our Father in Christ Jesus. So what we're looking at in verse 3 is a blessing. Interestingly, this is a kind of typical blessing for Jewish people. Uh, they actually had uh, in Paul's day, I believe it was 17, and then they added one later, uh, that they would say throughout the day. That, that sounded like this. They would just change a couple of the uh, phrases in it. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that in a moment. But this is blessing of God. And in, in the Bible, when you see this, there's always a reason given for blessing. And what we're looking at in verse 3 is the first reason. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. And that is the reason why this blessing of God takes place. Why do we bless him? Why do we praise his name? Because he has praised us. Here's the reason for it. Uh, he has blessed us. Excuse me, not praised us. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Uh, and that's the first one. And then we get another one uh, in verse 4. Uh, insofar as he chose us. Then in verse 5, the third, uh, and predestined us for adoption as sons into his family. Uh, so those are the three that he names. Well, and then after that, after verse 5, he just starts expanding and starts piling on uh, how God has planned all this and worked all this and his will is behind it all. He just He just is... Uh, lavishing us with all these things about God that make these blessings secure, that, that 
you don't have to wonder if, if you have a blessing from God. He has, he has planned this. He has worked this. This is according to his will. You can't have any doubt about that. Our faith is anchored in the fact that God is, has, in Christ, shown us that this was his will all along, and he's brought it to fruition. Like I said, this is the fullness of the ages come to pass. So all the way through verse 14, we have lots of fun stuff to meditate on of God and, and his working in Christ. Now, this this formal blessing, um, there's, there's two words here in the original that, you know, we translate as blessed. So you'll recall the Beatitudes, blessed are those who. Um, so blessed are the poor in spirit, for example. Well, that's a different word. Uh, that, that word is more like happy. It's, it's not happy as a passing emotion. It means people who are in a state of knowing God's favor and are in this blessed state. That's what that word means. But here, this is a different word, and it means something more like praise be. It's a, uh, we are blessing him as an expression of praise to him. Uh, and that's what we have here. Blessed be the God and Father. So when you say this, you are blessing God. You are praising him for some reason, because, you know, here we have the reason for it. And I do recommend you memorize this and pray this privately. Memorize this verse and, and pray this to the Lord. It is uh, a very rich and a fruitful practice to memorize prayers in Scripture. And this is one of them that I find particularly fruitful. And you know, you know, this is one I spend a lot of time with, and it's easy for me to, to pray it to the Lord in the morning, for example. Uh, and every time I do, I, 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 uh, I, don't, I don't regret it. Because it is, you know, it, is, it grows more and more sincere the more I understand what's happening here. This is, a, but it's a form that's actually fairly common. I mentioned this was a common Jewish form of prayer. For example, one prayer they would give at a mealtime is, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth uh, bread from the earth. That would be the quick the kind of blessing you would hear a Jewish person say throughout the day. Uh, that, is, that is one of these prayers, actually. And there's a uh, early, uh, there's a collection of, <laughs> it's hard to describe, but it's, it's a very interesting conversation among rabbis, and then they added conversation about what the rabbis earlier were talking about, and then they went out all sorts of other stuff. It's called the Talmud, and they, uh, they have these, like, 20 volumes of this thing. Uh, and one of them is called Blessings. And it's about this. It's about this form of blessing, and uh, when should you pray it, how long, <laughs> what can interrupt it. If you're interrupted halfway through, do you have to start over? They, you know, they talked about this sort of thing. It gets a little long. I have read that volume, by the way. I read the whole volume, I'm, you know. I thought, i got to read this stuff, and I read this whole volume. I'm glad I did, but it was, 
it was quite an interesting discussion. It's basically when you get theologians together, they just talk, you know, they talk one another. Um, but this has good precedence in Scripture. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, Genesis 9.26. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, Genesis 9.26. That's the first one you find. Melchizedek. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Genesis 14. So that's Melchizedek blessing Abraham by blessing the Lord. Psalm 72. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Notice again the reason. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. That's why we praise him. And then, the last book of the Old Testament, Luke. <laughs> okay, it's not really. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that transition into the New Testament, you see. This is, we're moving into the New Testament, and Luke is faithfully recording that transition. And here you have Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. That's what Jesus says of him. He's the, the law and the prophets prophesy until John, and then it's done. He's the last. So here's what Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, says. It says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. That's Luke 1, 67 and 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Brothers and sisters, that's the last time that you get a blessing where God has that name. You notice in Psalm 72, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Here in Zechariah, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. It's the last time. He's changed his name. Now, he's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because now you have a mediator who expands the blessing of God outside of Israel. We have joined Israel. The tents of Shem have expanded to include us. We, we, no Jew is cut off by any Jew who believes they're not cut off. This is, this is what Paul insists on. There's a remnant who is saved by faith. So being Jewish doesn't cut you off from the possibility of salvation. No, that's, that's impossible. Paul himself says, look, I'm a Jew, uh, and I've been, you know, continued on in this. But now God expands to include all the nations of the earth. So he really doesn't want to be known as the God of Israel anymore. He wants to be known as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so clear because this same wording from Ephesians 1.3 is identically repeated in 2 Corinthians 1.3. This is easy because the numbers are all the same. 2 Corinthians 1.3 and 1 Peter 1.3. If you want to know what they say, it's, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's identical. Absolutely identical in all three places. Ephesians 1. Second Peter, Second Timothy, excuse me, Second Corinthians one, and First Peter one. 
Listen to, the, listen to why God is blessed in both those places. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those uh, who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. It's guarded for you and you're guarded for it. You have an inheritance that's under guard. It's under lock and key in a place where no one can steal it. And then you are preserved for it. Here guarded on earth for that inheritance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, this is really an important point. This is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And once you say Jesus Christ, you're, you're speaking of the Son of God in his humanity. He's a human. But notice I said that carefully. The Son of God in his humanity. He didn't set aside the fact that he's divine. He is still the Son of God always and ever. The divine, a member of the divine trinity. The, third per- the second person of the Trinity, God himself, very God of very God, but true human. And he has God as his Father, as Son of God, and as Jesus Christ. But he says, Jesus, you know, Paul uses Jesus Christ here advisedly because he is our mediator. It is through him anybody anybody comes to God now. In the past, you came to God by changing your passport, by becoming an Israelite. You had to. If you were a male, you had to take on circumcision. It was not optional. Otherwise, you were cut off from the people of God. And you had to essentially join that nation. It was a national Ethnic uh, unity. You had to change your, your citizenship. Not anymore. Now he's, we're part of a multinational body because the Messiah is not only the Israelite Messiah. He's the Messiah of all people. This is First Timothy 2, many other places. And then uh, this is why he's our Lord. He's the one who through his lordship, has acquired us from his father for an everlasting possession. We are his, and he purchased us that we might join him in eternal life. So the first reason for this blessing is who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing uh, in the high heavenlies. This is a concrete favor that God has given us. So, um, 
God has granted this. So let me, let me read this for middle of verse three again. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, blessing here, notice how he's kind of piling up blessing. Blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. These are all related to the same word. And blessing here is an act of favor. He has favored us with favor. Uh, and that's what's being said here. And it's a spiritual favor. Now, brothers and sisters, anytime you see the word spiritual in Paul, you think Holy Spirit every time. And there's no qual, I make no qualifications to that. I don't know of qualifications. Because there is another word for spiritual he uses, for example, in Romans 12. And that word means more like our spiritual in English. It's a different word. The word here, though, means of the Holy Spirit. You have been given blessings embodied in being given the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Paul is going to end with. So he sort of opens this blessing every spiritual blessing, and ends with showing us what those blessings are by giving us the Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance. That's verses 13 and 14 of our passage. That's what he's talking about with spiritual blessings. The blessings of the Spirit. He himself has been given to us. We saw that when we worked through Acts 2 and Pentecost. That's what Paul's talking about. And, and here's the deal. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have new creation. He is the new creation embodied. He's the one who works new creation. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born from the Spirit, from above, to see the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is because this is a work of the Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, it's a new creational work. He projects the new creation into your life now. You now are citizens of the new creation, the kingdom of heaven. It is yours now because you have the Spirit. You have the one who will work in you new life in resurrection glory. You have him now. You don't have to wait for the effects, the initial effects of resurrection. It's already begun in you by being born again and by his transformation of your inner life to grow in holiness, sanctification. It's a work of the Spirit. That's what God has given us. It's a blessing from God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing of the Spirit in the high heavenlies. And here, this is my translation. Uh, it's, it's rendered here heavenlies. The word itself uh, has a different feel to it. It doesn't feel like, you know, kind of vague heavenly places. It, it means the high exalted heavenlies. You should think a royal court. You should think of a place that's exotic and glory beyond compare. 
the high heavenly places, the places where God himself dwells. He's given us blessings from there. You know why? The man from heaven came down to take us back with him. Let me, let me read that for you. This is what Paul says elsewhere. He says exactly that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll give you the verses. You can read along if you want. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 40. Now, in the course of this, Paul is explaining the heavenly body. He's explaining resurrection body. And so there's, there's issues here, 1 Corinthians 15, 40. There are issues here that, you know, relate to the nature of the body. He, he can explain it somewhat. It's a, it's a vast mystery, but he tells us what we can know. So beginning with verse 40, 1 Corinthians 15, 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star to star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust. As, and, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. This life-giving spirit. The Holy Spirit has raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead so that he may become the fountain of life everlasting and resurrection glory and transform us from dust into glory, from earth to heaven. And that's begun already, now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the high heavenlies in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. These are good truths, O Lord, way beyond us. But they are good. You've given us truths which we can read and ponder. May we do so with your blessing. Guide us into truth. Help us to hold fast to these truths which are our life that we may praise you evermore. Now we have words to praise you, O Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.